are listening to True Crime Fiction, feeding your addiction to the best of the written and the spoken word in crime. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as £1 at patreon.com slash truecrimefiction. Halle Rubenhold broke into the true crime scene and reporology in 2019 and caused quite the stir. What was so shocking about Halle's take on the ultimate cold case? Had she found definitive proof that connected Jack the Ripper to the royal family or the Masonic Lodge? Was there a whole new theory about who committed those highly violent crimes? No. She sent shockwaves through the dedicated followers of the twists and turns of trying to solve a cold case over a hundred years later by focusing on the victims. The five women who the Ripper had killed and who previously had been dismissed as just prostitutes. Reuben Hold instead paints a picture of each woman which is more whole and rounder and it gives us a glimpse into how easy it could be to fall from grace in an era where there was no social safety net. For many, it was only after Reuben Hold pointed out how deficient any analysis of the Jack the Ripper crimes were without a bigger picture of his victims' lives that they were able to see this. So ingrained in our culture it was to focus solely on the perpetrator. It is one of those truths, though, that once seen cannot be unseen, and its simplicity is what leads one to see that indeed there is truth there. Reuben Hold is back hosting the Bad Women's Podcast second season, and it is one that's likely to upset people. Not because she and co-host criminologist Alice Fines are rehabilitating women who had previously been seen in only a reductive light, but because the era in which they are shining the light on. The blackout was when London and much of Britain, to avoid the bombing campaigns of Nazi Germany, known as the Blitz, would shut off most of its lights in a nationwide blackout. For many of us, our image of the blackout is garnered from films, TV and books. We see it as a time where ordinary people showed extraordinary courage and bravery. This, of course, is true. However, it remains a hallmark of maturity and wisdom to be able to hold opposing things as both being true at the same time. The opposition that Fines and Reuben Holmes presents to us is that the blackout was also a time of great danger for women. It is well known that the vast majority of crimes are crimes of opportunity, and the daily blackouts must have been the ultimate opportunity for anyone with less than honest intentions to find cover and get away with terrible crimes. Bad Women, the Blackout Ripper, follows a series of murders across London which show the hallmark of a serial killer. However, among those murders, there's also a litany of domestic abuse, sexual assault, harassment and rape, often not committed by men who are obvious criminals wearing an eye mask and carrying a bag with the word swag stamped across it, but from men in the uniforms of the British forces. One of the questions which could have been more developed is why we have not heard more about those 
who, when the opportunity presented itself, used the circumstances of war and the trust put in their uniform for their own selfish ends. Just as there are opposing views of the blackout and the characters of people within it, there are different views on this question too. If a time machine meant we could ask people from this specific past, many of them would not recognise sexual assault or harassment in the way we do now, so much having been changed in 80 years and a few generations. Others with some clarity do not think they would be believed, something that unfortunately has not changed for many women today. Still others would make the assumption that the women had done something to invite her assault and absolve the men of wrongdoing in the strong vein of homosociality that runs through our culture. All these reasons lead on, however, to more questions. Why have we, with historical distance from these events, not been able to be more pragmatic and honest in our assessment of how women were treated in that period? Again, the reasons we come across are probably also very complex. While for younger generations the Second World War will feel firmly in the past, there are still those alive who, if they were not active during the war, grew up in its shadow, with their parents' generation dealing with the trauma and difficulty of surviving war with little to no understanding of mental health or support. While some countries have worked hard to reflect on the part they played in the rise of fascism, this has never been the case in Britain, and the pockets of people of all classes who marched with Oswald Mosley or quietly thought Hitler was right has never been fully acknowledged and explored. If we are unable to look at ourselves and our past squarely in the face, it is no wonder people also want to brush the terrible treatment of women by men in uniform, under the carpet. It is an unpleasant conclusion, but one that feels inevitable, that while many British people showed incredible courage and bravery during the Second World War, that as a nation we have not had the courage or bravery to look at who we were then squarely in the face, living instead in a childish fantasy where our parents or grandparents can only occupy a soothing position, so fragile that any attempt to round out that image is thoroughly quashed. Self-reflection is not an easy path to take, whether it is as an individual or as a nation, and perhaps now, 80 years on, Reuben Holden finds can help us start down that path by looking at ourselves as a more well-known British military commander once did, warts and all. You have been listening to True Crime Fiction, the podcast that is feeding your addiction to all things crime. You can find our website at true-crime-fiction.com, on Twitter at true underscore crime underscore fic, on Facebook and Instagram as True Crime Fiction. Please rate and review on the podcast app of your choice. Music is by Kitty Kitty Meow Meow.